0: This morning, I wanted to just look at one of the Psalms of David. You know, the Psalms are good to meditate upon, good to read often, good to, to look to. Um, you know, there's a flow in the, of the Spirit in these Psalms that you don't often see in, in some other portions of Scripture and other books. You know, in other books of the Bible, you can read the accounts of what the Saints did and and you know what God was doing but the Psalms are unique because you can read about what was taking place in their hearts right what they were feeling what they were praying what they were crying out to God for and uh, and so it's good to look to them once in a while and you know what you discover is they're just like us right they they have their their doubts that they 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 don't hold on to the doubts, but they lift them to the Lord and confess them, and and they receive strength and encouragement and words from God, and and you know that you see how they cried out to the Lord and the Lord met them, and and so I wanted to look this morning at one such example of a psalm. Now I wanted to look at at one such example of a psalm in in Psalm sixty-two. And that was one of the Psalms of David. It was probably written in his later life. And it, it seems like he's kind of flashing back to younger days. You know, we, we do that once in a while. We think back to the days of, of you know, having certain experiences or meetings with God and, and so forth, or, you know, maybe remembering troubles that God delivered us out of. And sometimes that's an encouragement to think, well, I'm facing a pretty big trouble, but he's delivered me before. So I'm going to trust in him again. And and it's like he, he's kind of looking back to times when he was running from Saul in the wilderness from King Saul. And, of course, in southern Judah, you know, I, I've been to Israel, but I haven't been had a chance to go out into southern Judah. I'd like to do that sometime and just look at some of the rock formations because David, you know, he's talking about uh, God being his fortress. And it's kind of th- the thought is how he would he would hide in the rocks and some of these crevices and some of the the hollows, you know, up there. And you know, he'd be up in a up in a crevice or a, on a mountain somewhere, hiding. And he and his men hoping that David's Saul's army wouldn't find him. They sometimes they'd walk right by because he's hidden, maybe in a cave or something. But he he described how the the mountains could be like a stronghold and a fortress. But yet, then he turns and attributes that to God and said, "But no, God." You, but no, God is my fortress. He's the one that protected me. All right, so there was many valleys and ravines that, you know, in the wilderness that David and his men found refuge in, but he's attributing it that it was really God who was his refuge. But of course, later in life, he's in Jerusalem, but he's still looking to God as his refuge in time of trouble. And so it starts in verse 1, Psalm 62, 1. It says, Truly my soul silently waits for God. From him comes my salvation. Something to note about this psalm, it starts starts off with this word truly. Uh, It's actually the same word that's used only, that's translated only. And this, this Hebrew word is used eight times in this psalm. And so some people refer to it as the only psalm right? Because it uses it so much. Like David's saying, only, only. And we'll look at how it's used. A few of them. We won't look at all of them. but And so David's kind of come to the place where he only trusts in God. And that's a good place to be, right? Because sometimes we'll we'll trust in God up to a certain point, but yet in other points, we kind of fall back to our habits or our What we think is right but David realized the only safe place to be is only only in God only trusting in him only relying on him you know I think in the past perhaps David tried other sources of safety or salvation but he's forsaken all of those and so that eight times he's saying God only only you but he also says wait I'm gonna wait. My soul waits. Is gonna wait upon you, Lord. You're worth waiting for, and that's that's a mindset we have to develop, right? It's worth waiting upon the Lord, right? And waiting for Him to speak, and waiting for Him to move. And have you ever been in a situation where someone comes up and just keeps interrupting you, right? You're trying to do something, but someone's interrupting you, right? And it's I have a cat like that especially at mealtimes, especially in the morning. If you're trying to sleep in in Humphrey's household, you, you got to learn to wait, to, <laughs> to wait upon the Lord. If you're trying to wait upon the Lord and you haven't fed my cat dinner or breakfast, look out. You're not going to have, have a good time waiting because right? he, he likes to interrupt. Right? But, you know, there's that aspect where we need to be those who are willing to wait upon God without being distracted by interruptions. Lord, I'm going to wait upon you. I'm not going to be focused on other things. Lord, I'm going to wait upon you. I, I don't think I, I'll forget a story that Pastor Tucker shared. It really jumped out to me. Uh, one time he was visiting uh, West Africa and, and, and of course in Western Africa, they have different kings over different areas. And so he was invited for, to an audience with the local king in the area he was. And so he was brought into a waiting room and they had an appointed time and that time came and it passed. And he was just waiting and waiting and waiting. And, you know, Pastor Tucker's like, hey, we had an appointment. What's going on? Why are we having to wait, you know, to, to meet this person? But he, he said, as he was there, the Lord started to speak to him. And he said, I want to give you a lesson. It's like there's an aspect that if you want to see the king, it's on his schedule. Not ours. Sometimes we'll say, Lord, I'll I'll meet you at my appointed time in the morning. And, you know, you have this window to come meet with me, Lord. Well, we can do that. (laughs) But do we want to meet the king? Now I'm not saying we need to, you know, you know, we don't our morning doesn't progress unless we have a word from the Lord. You know, but it's that time that it's that idea that we learn to wait. And it really, this is in the context of, Lord, I need you. I need a word. Lord, I need the solution for this situation. Are we going to wait upon the schedule and the timing of the king? Or are we going to try and do things our own way and find our own solution? David said, I learned to wait upon the king. Not just that, but, you know, back, back in verse 1, it says, my soul silently waits. That's something significant too. Silently waits, right? So, and it's kind of has that thought of being silent or still. Being still. It's very similar to another Psalm. We're going to read the whole Psalm too, because it's really short. Psalm 131, verse 1. says, Lord, my heart is not haughty, my eyes, nor my eyes lofty. Neither do I exercise myself in great matters or things too high for me. Surely I've behaved and quiet myself as a child that is weaned of his mother. My soul is as a weaned child. Let Israel hope in the Lord from henceforth and forever. He learned. David, this is another Psalm of David, he learned to quiet himself. All right, maybe there were times when he was worked up, but he learned he needed to quiet himself if he was going to meet God and make God his refuge. Have you ever had a panic start coming on you when you start to contemplate the what ifs. What if this happens? Oh man! What? Okay. What if that happens? Oh, then you start to panic and you start to. Now what am I going to do? Oh no! Now I have to figure that out. And it hasn't even happened yet. But you're, you know, you're contemplating all these what ifs. But David, he had a lot of what ifs that he had to face. Right? What if Saul goes here? What? If, what am I going to do? I'm, I'm in charge of my these men and these families and so forth. What if? What if I don't have enough food in the world? What if? He probably could have had a terrible time. I'm sure he had a difficult time, but it could have been much more difficult if he was dominated by the what ifs. But he learned to quiet himself and to quiet those what ifs and to become still and place his hope in the Lord. You know, there's some things that we should know and we need to study to show ourselves approved. But you know, there's other things we We don't need to know. In fact, we shouldn't know because it'll just engender more questions and more trouble in our spirits and in our soul. So if God doesn't reveal something to us and he's not speaking to us from prayer, then sometimes we need to quiet ourselves and say, Lord, you're not speaking that to me, so I'm going to just hope in you. I'm going to rest in you. But that's something David had to learn. something we have to learn too. Going on verse 2, Psalm 62 and verse 2, it says, He only, here's another only, He only is my rock and my salvation. He's my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. And so here's a key to stability in difficult situations. You know, when we're waiting upon God, He becomes our defense and we won't be greatly moved. Notice it it doesn't say we won't be moved. It it says we won't be greatly moved moved. It would be nice to say, nothing ever moves me. Well, God is very good at testing our foundations and testing uh, us in situations. And sometimes we're shaken and we're moved a little bit. Kind of like in it, you know, I've only been in one earthquake and it wasn't strong enough to move me. It was strong enough to, we got to experience an earthquake. But some people have been through earthquakes where they literally can't even stand up. They're just they're moved all over the place. they have to grab a hold of something. Hopefully that thing doesn't move, right? And so sometimes we're shaken and we're moved. But the Lord says, if you, if you have me as your defense, you won't be greatly moved. We'll always be able to get back to that position that God has for us. He wants you know, He wants to, to even, you know he wants to remove those things of instability. Sometimes that's why the shaking comes to reveal what is causing us to be unstable? We might have to go through a few storms with a few waves crashing over us, but the promise is if we make him our defense, if we run to him as our rock, we won't be greatly moved. An example you can think of is a boat in a storm. You know, uh, often they'll put down several anchors, and you know, when a boat's out in the middle of the ocean, those anchors don't go to the bottom and hook onto a rock. Sometimes that's what you think of. They're just weight that kind of keeps it from being blown. And sometimes they'll do sea anchors. Well, they'll, you know, put an anchor out, several anchors out or something like that. And they, you know, depending on, I actually don't know how that works. It's something to where it catches the current or the current is opposing the wind with the current, depending on, and it kind of keeps them from getting blown too far off course. But the waves are going up there, up and down, but the anchors are keeping them from being greatly moved. You know, and so God wants to work in us so that we're not greatly moved. We have him as our, as our anchor, as our shelter in the storm. You know, I think Peter's a good example of this. And you see a progression in his life, right? How he could be easily moved, right? To the point where he has the word of the Lord at one point, you know, he says you are the christ the son of God he has he has the divine word from heaven jesus says that acknowledges that but the very next phrase at least as it appears in scripture the next phrase out of his mouth is lord don't go to the cross you shouldn't do that and the lord has to say get behind me satan he, he was he was moved there that one you could argue he was greatly moved in that situation and god had to rebuke him and bring him back into the place into place but you know even later on you know he, he became stronger and stronger he he's he was moved a little bit that peter had to or paul had to you know tell him you know you can't you can't be one thing with the gentiles and another thing with the jews you know but you know at the end of his life he becomes what christ said of him he became a rock immovable he, you know, he could become a foundation for the lives of other people because he had made the Lord his refuge, and he became a rock that could not be moved. You know, that's that's what God wants to do in us. And sometimes we can just want to give up. Well, I got greatly moved in that situation. Well, that's because we need to learn to make the Lord our refuge. Well, I made the Lord my refuge, but I was still moved. Well, that's okay. God says He'll bring us back on point, but yet He He wants to bring us to that progression, where where we become like the rock, immovable. Sometimes we look to great leaders, you know. I look to Pastor Bailey. At, you know, he was like that rock. It's like nothing could move him. You know, I mean, he had his own struggles with the Lord. He looked to, but yet for other people, he became kind of like that rock that we could look to. Like Peter became a rock, and but that's the work God wants to do in all of our lives. Going on in in Psalm 62, verse 3, here we see one of the struggles that David faced. He says, how long will you attack a man? You know, so here he's speaking about his enemies. How long will you attack a man? You shall be slain, all of you, like a leaning wall and a tottering fence, an unstable wall or fence. And here's another only. They only consult to cast him down from his high position. You know, that's the enemy. The enemy only seeks unrighteousness and, you know, doing, doing mischief. That's, that's what the King James says. They only consult to do mischief against me. All right, that's their only. There's, no, there's not really a lot of middle ground, really. We have to be, which only are we going to be? The wicked have their only, but the righteous have their only. And that's God only being our fortress and our refuge. And so David's dealing with the enemy, speaking against him. They only consult to cast him down from his high position. They delight in lies. They bless with their mouse, mouth. right? They'll double speaking. They'll say one thing that seems nice, but inwardly, they delight in lies. They curse inwardly. So David was experiencing Wicked enemies coming against him, speaking against him. You know, the principal method of attack of the enemy is words. Words, whether through someone, words that can hurt or that can bring doubt or division, or maybe spiritual words, you know, the enemy in our spirit, thoughts that want to bring in doubt and division and and trouble and so forth. And you know, just as David had natural enemies, we have spiritual enemies. We have the accuser of the brethren. He'd like to see us fail. But the the apostle Paul said that our fight is not against flesh and blood. You know, we we shouldn't really get focus on the the natural people who speak against us. They're just being tools. It's th- it in the hands of the enemy. It's the spiritual enemy that's using them. Right, that that's the thing we have to focus upon and, and recognize and realize that right, that the, the enemy, our enemy is, has certain capabilities and he's very powerful. But yet we're looking to the one who is much more powerful, who's able to be a shield and a covering if we will only look to him. And so when we're in trouble and the waves are crashing and the enemy is using those powerful words against us and trying to discourage us, we can run to the one who is much bigger you know it's kind of like you know if you, maybe if you were in school and may, you might not have been bullied or you saw there was a big bully in school and you know the bullies just love you know saying not nice things don't they uh i remember going to a school where there were some bullies but i, I had a unique experience because uh people would say you know when i came to this new school people would said are you humphreys i said yeah like, was Caleb and Brian your brothers? And I said, yeah, because they, they were quite tall and bigger. And they didn't mess with me. I was, I was kind of glad because I had big brothers. right? But that's, that's that thought of the Lord. If he's on our side and we're only looking to him, he's the one there. The enemy is not going to do any more than the Lord allows him if we'll trust in him and place our trust and our refuge in him. He's our defender. And so David taught himself to look to the one who was his defense, and we, we see that in verse five, Psalm sixty-five says, my soul wait silently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. Again, here's the, the wait only. It's that expression of, of that thought of, of expectation. Lord, I'm gonna wait upon you and my expectation is going to be found in you. You know, sometimes our problem is our expectations because our expectations are, are put in things that are not linked to being only in God. They're linked to, to other things. And, you know, here's what I've found in life. The greatest disappointments in life that we will experience is when we're expecting things that are not of God. They're not in God's plan. They're not in His purpose for us. If we put our expectation in God's plan and his purpose, we will never be disappointed. If we put our expectation in other things that are not according to God's plan, we will always be disappointed. There's not a lot of middle ground in that either. And so David said, my soul is going to silently wait for you alone. My expectation is from you. That's a big key to his victory that he found. My expectation is. Is from you. Verse 6, Psalm 62, 6, it says, Here's another only. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. Oh, now look, there's a little progression here. I shall not be moved. I'm not going to be moved now because of what God's done, what what's taken place in him, how God, he's been transformed to be more like the rock. To whom he's looking to, I won't be moved. For God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. You know, the more he is our defense, the less we're moved. The less less we're shaken. Not, we, not that we won't experience shaking, but we won't be moved out of our place. You know, and that, that's kind of an important aspect that if we only had peace on all sides. We wouldn't feel that need to run to God and make Him our refuge. You know, when everyone is having, you know, if you're someone's having a good life and everything's going easy, you should actually start saying, "What's wrong?" (laughs) Because that makes it very easy to say, "Well, hey, I'm doing good. I don't, you know, yeah, I have my Bible reading, my prayer time, but there's not a need to run to God." Sometimes it's that those seasons of having to cry out to God and trust in Him that do the greatest work in us. It's the initiative we need to make God our fortress. Now, I think I mentioned it before how we used to live in England and we we saw a lot of castles when I was young. I didn't appreciate it as much when I was, you know, six or seven years old as I wish I could go back now and visit them all. I, I'd appreciate it more. But you know, some of those castles had been there for seven or 800 years. There was one that's been there a thousand years, you know, the the Tower of London. But if you think about it, they were established, why? Because of their enemies. Now there are old buildings in, in England and in Europe, but really the ones that are the oldest are the ones that were built because of enemies. The structures of peace have not remained as long as the structures of war. The structures that were built because enemies were coming. But you know, that's, that's, there's a truth there that when God takes us in situations where we face enemies and we face difficulty, what does it cause us to do? It causes us to run to Him and make Him our refuge. And there's a lasting work done in our lives that wouldn't be done if we only had good times peaceful times, right? We would be missing out on a, on a work that God wants to build eternally in our lives. In Psalm 62 and verse 8, it says, Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before Him, for God is a refuge for us. And so verse 8 shows how this, fort- this these fortresses can be established You know, we're to come to the Lord in all times. The thought is in every season, right? All the time. In every type of situation, maybe it's a nice summer season, we still have to come to Him. Or maybe it's a difficult winter season, we really need to come to Him. Or maybe it's the hurricane season, like down here, we really, really need to come to Him. But yet it's in all those seasons we make it the practice, Lord, I want to come to you. And I appreciate the summer, or here it's more the fall, (laughs) the shoulder seasons, right? We appreciate the fall and the spring season, especially here in Florida when we can open our windows and have a nice breeze and so forth. But in all times, we learn to place our trust in him and come to him because that is what builds up that work of faith, that eternal work that makes God our refuge. And we pour out our heart. You know, there's an aspect of prayer that in which, you know, we're not just praying our list of, you know, things we're lifting up to God, but yet there's an aspect of prayer sometimes we can miss out on, or we, we overlook that we have to bring our cares and our worries to Him and pour them out. You know, like you think of a vessel. You know, one of the offerings was wine, that would be poured out the drink offering. You know, sometimes we need to come to him and just pour out the cares and the worries. Sometimes we think that's like not being a faith, you know, people of faith, you know, talking about our struggles, but yet he, he already knows them, but yet there's an expression where we come, Lord, I'm struggling with this. Lord, I am facing fear. And we pour it out to him. Then he renews his strength within us and he re- there's an exchange you know, as we pour out to him, we're, we're rolling our burdens onto the Lord who is able to carry them. You know, that's what Christ meant, what he said in, in Matthew eleven twenty eight, He said, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so God's invitation is that we'll come unto him and pour out our heart and our burdens and our cares because he went to the cross, not just for our, our sins, but for our sorrows, as we read in Isaiah 53. You know, so we pour out our sorrows because he already bore them on the cross. So we don't need to carry them any longer. We'll close with one last verse in Psalm 62 verse 11. David says, God has spoken once and twice have I heard this that power belongs unto God. You know, the Lord's spoken it to David and he had seen it more than once. It kind of that that's the indication that, you know, I've seen this more than one time in my life. Power belongs unto God. You know, that's what we want our message to be in our experience. Is, you know, we might serve a God who is invisible. We can't see him. We can't audibly hear him unless you have a, an amazing experience. You know, some people have said, Yeah, I had an experience where I heard an audible voice. And I thought, Well, wow, that's good. I've never had that. But that doesn't make a difference for what God can do, what he wants to do in us, because his power is available today. We don't have to wait for revival. Right? We don't have to wait for a mighty wind of God to speak in tongues or to, to flow in the Spirit. That is available for us today. And that's David's uh, message to us. God has spoken it to me. I've heard this. You know, he'd seen it in operation that, that God's power is available for our lives to be transformed, to become more like Christ, to experience Him as our refuge in our fortress. You know, there's a difference between knowing it, reading it in in his scripture, and experiencing it in our lives. God wants to bring us to that place of experience. We experience his power to change us, to break the things that used to control us, or break the thought process that takes, that wants to take over. Instead of trusting in the Lord, we trust in our own way of thinking, or we kind of fall back to our way of thinking, there's power that belongs to God that can break those so that he becomes our only stronghold and fortress. Because we've made him the place that we run to continually in all seasons. And we experience that true power to overcome, as Paul said in Romans 16:20, where the God of peace crushes Satan under our feet. Very shortly. I like, I'm glad that it's shortly. It's not a long time coming. If we trust in Him, He'll bring that power for the enemy to be defeated shortly. And so this is a good psalm to meditate on, Psalm 62. It's learning to silently wait upon the Lord, making Him our refuge knowing that we might be shaken. In fact, we will be shaken. That's kind of a a guarantee. We might be moved a little bit, but God's promise is if we make him our refuge, we won't be greatly moved. And if we learn to do that and learn to trust in him in every season and pour out our heart before him, we become transformed and we become more like the rock in whom we trust so that we won't be moved later on. Instead, we will see and experience His power and His glory in our lives because power belongs unto God. Lord, we thank You. Lord, thank You for Your wonderful Word, O oh God. Thank You that You are making Yourself available to, to us to be our strong refuge, our fortress, the one we can trust in and trouble. Lord, that we won't be greatly moved Oh God, and so Lord, we just come and present ourselves before you that that you would just do that work within us. Lord, teach us as David was taught. As you taught him, would you teach us, Lord, to come unto you and make you our only refuge. Oh Lord, we just thank you, oh God, do that precious work in us, Lord, that we would trust in you in all seasons and pour out our heart before you. Lord, that we could experience your power and your glory that only comes from you. And we thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.